Hey, good morning. I'm Ryan Smith. This is my wife, Kelly Smith. I'm the associate pastor here at Cross Point, and we are going to read uh, today's scripture to you. Psalm 22, 8-20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom, with whom his, he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told. Let's pray this morning. God, what a, what a great, just a picture, uh, Lord, of your birth. Uh, God, I just can't help but just think about what what was going on, what the events were happening, what was going on in people's minds, uh, Lord, as this miracle took place. And God, just to know that even us in here this morning, that we... We, we, we get to be a part of that, Jesus. We get to be a part of, of that miracle, Lord. God, we get, to, we get to have a relationship with you, Lord. We get to live, and, and God, you get to live, and you live in our hearts, Lord. We have, that, we have that blessing, Lord, each and every day. Uh, God, what a, what a special, special thing this is. And God, I just pray this morning, Lord, for each and every person in this room, uh, God, that you would just speak to our hearts uh, and God, that we would live our lives pleasing to you, Lord. God, that we would live our lives in praise and worship and adoration to you. Uh, Lord, I ask that you be with Justin as he brings your word this morning. Lord, that you would just allow him to be your mouthpiece. Uh, God, that you would speak through him. And God, that you would move us, Lord, to action. God, I ask that you just allow us just to leave whatever burdens that may be going on in our lives, whatever things that may be happening, just to leave them aside. And God, just for these next few moments, just to be able to focus on you, God, so we can hear from you freely. Again, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this church. And Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ryan and Kelly and uh, Michael and Dawn and uh, everybody who led us and, and singing this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn to Luke chapter 2. Uh, we will be in those, the passage that Kelly read uh, for us. I want to say a couple things. Uh, I know some of you came in after announcements, and so I'm going to announce a couple of things. Remember, uh, next Sunday is our kids' uh, uh, Christmas uh, play, I guess you call them in churches, play, cantata, not a cantata. We don't do cantatas around here. Uh, 
I don't know, choir. Uh, but anyway, so next uh, Sunday is that. 9.15 is breakfast. Uh, and we're starting, and this is going to be, I need everybody to hear me when I say this, because this is like from now on. So next Sunday, we're starting at 10 a.m. sharp. That means if you get here at 10.30, then you've missed all what the kids have, have been practicing for, for for three months. But after December the 19th, so when we come back the next Sunday, the 26th, guess what we're going to do? We're going to start at 10 a.m. sharp. And then we get into January. Guess what else we're going to do? We're going to start at 10 a.m. sharp. And so we're letting the kids kind of being the reason why, but we're not going back to 10, 12. And so anyway, let's, uh, let's commit to getting to church. I know it's crazy. I get paid to be here early. I've been here a long time, but let's commit one another uh, to be, um, be here early. Uh, cool? Everybody with me? And don't lie to me. I know some of your life's still going to get here at 1035. Uh, <laughs> Patty, you know, I'm, I came to bring you good news of great joy today. I just need to start it uh, like that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but anyway, so... Uh, uh, Luke mentioned this last week. We're taking a break from the book of Acts, uh, the, really the rest of the month. Uh, we'll pick back up in Acts chapter 3, the first Sunday uh, of January. However, uh, we're not really leaving Luke. You know, so we're not really, we, we call it Acts, but, you know, we t- said this at the beginning of Acts is like when Luke sat down to write the gospel, what we know is gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, it's, it was one work that just kind of broke into two sections. So technically we're not stepping away. We're just going to where the story began. Uh, and so we'll look at it like that so we can stay, hey, we're not out of, anyway, I just thought about that a while ago. Uh, I do want to remind you of this, and uh, it's, it's been a while, we, we, we read it when we started the book of Acts. But when Luke sat down to write, he had one intention, like one main intention uh, of writing his gospel narrative, uh, his gospel account, and the the narrative or the history uh, that we see in the book of Acts. Obviously, it's informative, but he writes in the beginning of chapter one of of the gospel to Theophilus, and this is what he says. It's not going to come up on the screen, but he says this, that has seemed good to me also, having followed all of these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And here it is, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been uh, taught. And so Luke is writing. So whenever we read this Luke 2 passage, we read the book of Acts, what we need to be reminded of is that Luke's purpose of writing this letter to Theophilus is so that when Theophilus read it, he would, he would have certainty about the things that he is, he's been taught. That upon reading it, there would be uh, a, a, a certainty, uh, uh, an understanding, uh, a boldness, if you will, that when he read it, that, that, he would, that God would reveal this is true, right? And so I thought it was important for us to remember that because, man, Christmas is so masqueraded by so many different things, right? And so for some of you, you may be in here and you're not necessarily a believer. You wouldn't call yourself, I, I, don't, I don't know if I believe in Jesus. And so what you know about Christmas is that Christmas tree and gifts and things like that. And uh, what I want to remind us of this morning, when we read this Luke 2 passage about the angels visiting shepherds, is that the reason why Luke wrote this is so that we today as a church and also as unbelievers, that, that we could be certain that this is true that this really did happen, that some 2,000 years ago, there was a baby that was born who was to Christ the Lord, that he was born to be the Savior of the world. And now 2,000 years later, we can read about this and what, how God works with the Holy Spirit within us. When we read it, that, that the Holy Spirit will confirm in our hearts, this is true. You're not wasting your time. 
that we're here and, and it's true and it's, and it's real. So I just wanted to remind us of that. So Luke chapter two, verses eight through 20, I'm not going to read them all, but what I want to talk about this morning, I titled it as what the angel said to the shepherds that I bring you good news of great joy. All right, joy is a word that definitely this time of the year, isn't it crazy that some of the grouchiest people in the world that Christmas season gets around here, like some reason the most joyous person in the world, like joy is connected and you're like, you're like a walking oxymoron, right? So you're, you're, you're negative Nancy all year and then December gets here and you're joyful Jasmine. Uh, <clears throat> but Joy is something that, that we understand and it's something we talk about. And you begin to ask the question, what really is joy? Is joy just this, this, you know, this walking around and skipping through a field, holding hands with Jesus, with butterflies everywhere? Is it just this happiness that we feel? Um, what is joy? And I think for all of us, we, we want to know joy. We want to experience joy. Even if we can, can't even vocalize it, joy is something that we all want and we all desired. And, and we understand that joy is not equivalent to happiness that because we read scripture and we can understand that there could be joy in the midst of suffering and tribulation that that even in the in the in the darkest of days that the guy actually God commands us to rejoice at all times right and that goes back to what the Luke taught uh, Luke taught a couple weeks ago about repentance is that that repentance is something that God demands but it's also something that God enables And the same picture here is that God calls us to rejoice at all times well all times aren't necessarily the best times but God still calls us, uh, calls us to rejoice at all times so therefore what we understand is that he also enables us to rejoice at all times that even in the midst of our deepest darkest suffering that we can still rejoice so we know that Joy is not equivalent to happiness, right? We, we understand that. It's not circumstantial. Uh, John Piper, I love this definition. This is the definition he, he gave of joy. It says that joy, the Christian joy, is a, it's a good feeling in the soul. Notice he says that in the soul that's produced by the Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and the world. That the Christian joy is this, this feeling deep within every believer uh, and it's a feeling because it's not necessarily uh, as in, uh, how can I, as in, we're not in control of it, right? That just deep within me, there is a, there's a joy. That deep in the deepest parts of me, that there's the joy and it's, it's produced by the spirit. We understand in Galatians 5 is that, that joy is one of the fruit of the spirit. It is the fruit of the spirit that for the child of God, uh, uh, because of a fruit of, of being indwelled by the very spirit of God is that we will be joyful people. And isn't it crazy? I'm going to get to this at the end. And so uh, I feel like at the ch when we come to church, it's like, I just need to tell somebody, hey, Christian, it's okay for you to be joyful. It's okay for you to be excited about life. It's okay for you to actually Sing loud and raise your hands. It's okay to smile when you come to church, y'all. Right? It's okay to do that because the joy that we have, listen, we, should, I should, we shouldn't have to spend a lot of our time. And, you know, uh, how can we stoke the fire? How can we stoke the joy? How can we get our people excited? And it's, it's there, right? It, it, should, it should be there. Joy is deep within our soul. It's, it remains even in trials. And Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is our, our strength, is something that joy that we have is that is our very strength to live. It's the strength we have to keep walking day in and day out. And so 
What is this joy? This passage in Luke chapter 2, the angels look to the shepherds and says, I'm bringing you good news of great joy. So what I want to do this morning, I want to give you five truths about joy that we see in Luke 2, 8 through 20. So if you're taking notes, number one, I love this one, is that joy is here. That joy is here. Check out verse 8. It says this, now, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch by their flock by night, and the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So the first point I want to make is that the joy is here. Check out the context of, 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 this, of this story of whenever, whenever heaven, listen to me, God hasn't spoke to his people in over 400 years. They haven't heard from heaven in almost 400 years, and the moment that God decides to break the silence, he goes to this obscure field to these shepherds who are out there at night. You got to catch the, the beauty of that. He didn't go to the, to, the, to the king. He didn't go to the palace. He went to the everyday, normal, run-of-the-mill shepherd to announce this good news. And so check out the context. Where were they? They were out in a field, an obscure place. Who was there? Shepherds. The outcasts. Now, we, what we've done in our westernized Christianity and our church cantatas is that we've glorified the shepherd position. We, 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 we give them this beautiful staff that they walk through and they have this you know, nice clothes, they don't have any dirt on it and things like that. But these people were dirty. They were, and a lot of them were crooks. They, they, were that, they were the outcasts. They were the people that, they were unclean. They, they, they couldn't even come in for worship type people. Like They were unclean. And it was this very people that the angel showed up in the middle of nowhere outside of Bethlehem to announce this good news. So check out that context. In an obscure place to an to a, to a outcast of society. And what were they doing? They were keeping watch by night. They were just living their life. They were just doing their thing. And then all of a sudden, the sky lit up. And all of a sudden, something caught their attention, right? And so, so look at verse 9. It says, so they were outside of Bethlehem, just doing their thing, living a dream, the shepherd boy's dream. That's what they were doing. And then verse 9 says, and, there's this suddenness and unexpectedness, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. It gives the picture of, of this suddenly happening, as in, it ain't like they were just like looking into the skies like, oh God, come. They were literally doing their shepherd things. Matter of fact, this was being as the, at nighttime, a lot of times what they would do is some would be sleeping and others would be keep, keeping watch and then they would take turns, that kind of a deal. So they were probably, you know, yawning, you know, wiping their eyes and things like that. And all of a sudden, an angel appeared and the glory of the Lord shone around them. It's a suddenness. And it says they were filled with fear. Now, this isn't the same type of fear that Luke talked about a couple weeks ago when he talked about repentance, the fear of the Lord. This is legitimate. They were scared to death. It wasn't a reverence. It wasn't like, oh, God, how great thou art. It was, oh, my gosh, I'm about to die because here's an angel and it's the glory of the Lord. Like, they were literally scared to death at this moment. And I need you to catch that because what the angel says to them next is, is, is a shift. It's a, it's a dynamic shift because I will say this, them being scared to death was the appropriate response to what they were witnessing. They should have been scared to death. The glory of the Lord was there, and, and, and I'm sure they remembered. Wait, God told Moses if he saw his glory, he would, he would die. Like, they were literally fearful because they knew who they were, but also who God was, and that they couldn't be in his presence, and, and that they were legitimately scared that they were probably about to die. 
And that's the appropriate response. They were scared to death. And check out, oh, it says this. And so they were in their routine, and then the angel appeared, glory of the Lord, and they were filled with fear. And here's the point is the joy is here now. It came to the least of these. It came to the social outcast. It came to an obscure place on the outside of Bethlehem in the middle of the night. And watch this. Watch this. I want you to catch this. And in a moment, God interrupted them and what was going on in their life. They were just doing their routine thing. And in a moment, things changed for them. In a moment, things changed. It wasn't expected. It wasn't something that they conjured up. But in a moment, things changed. And when you and I, whenever we begin thinking about that in the moment, in a, in a moment, things can change. Our mind always goes negative, right? In a moment, we can get a bad phone call. In a moment, we can get a diagnosis. In a moment, we can, we can hear some news and it's going to change everything. And listen to me, a lot of times in a moment, in a second, our lives can change for the negative. But let me tell you something, child of God, in a moment, your life can change for the good too. In a moment, things can happen. Joy can be seen. Joy can be experienced. In a moment, it doesn't always have to be on the negative sense, but in a moment, listen to me, they were just tending their sheep by night, and in a moment, an angel appeared, and their life was, speaking in tongues up here, was dramatically, dramatically changed because God interrupted their night in a moment. I need you to catch that for me. Because I believe some in here are looking at this Christmas season, and it's like, all we think about is, is who's not here, and what's not going to happen. And we begin thinking, and we begin to just kind of mull through these moments. My prayer is that in a moment, even this morning, that God would interrupt where you are in life and interject joy into it. That even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of trials, and in a moment, that you would, be, you would read the story and know for certainty that the good news of great joy has come. That even in the midst of suffering, that in a moment, God can change your perspective so that you can see him, that you can remember him, that you can know for a fact that this is true in a moment. When we see Jesus, when God allows us to see his glory, even in the midst of suffering, we can experience joy. So joy is available. Joy is here, Justin. You don't know me. No, but I know this joy is for you. How do, how do, I, how do you know that, Justin? Let's keep reading to, to verse 10 so we see the joy is here. Verse 10 says, then the angel said to them, fear not. Check that out. Fear not. So they were literally just scared to death, rightfully so. But now the angel is sent, and the first word he says is, fear not. Because what he's, what, he, what he's about to say is, you're right to be scared, but what I'm going to tell you, you don't have to be frightened of God anymore. There's still a fear of reverence of who he is, but it's not one that when you think about God, you're scared to death, that you're frightened. He says, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will what? Be for all the people. How do you know the great joy is here for me? It's because the angel told the shepherds that it will be for all the people. I love the word all the people, right? All the people. We see that in Acts when Luke is writing Acts, whenever they were uh, in Acts 2, 42 through 47 that we looked at last week, they had what favor with all the people. Luke, you can see how it's the same writer, all the people. Uh, I think about, 
you know, Ashley and the girls always say all the things and all the fields. And so all the people here. But I want you to check this. Number two is that joy, not only is it here, but joy is sent. The joy is sent. Notice that the angel said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I'm bringing it to you. It's sent, this joy. I bring you good news of great joy. Fear not. I bring you. They're, they're bringing this message literally down from heaven that when, when after the, 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 the book of Malachi, when Malachi was prophesying and there had been 400 years of silence, now God sends this angel and he's bringing a good news of great joy to them. He's bringing it. He's a messenger of God. You know, we're in the book of Acts where we're talking about where, the, where Jesus ascended and the Spirit descended and the church went out to share the gospel. What you and I need to understand is that this gospel message of us going out first came down. That, it, that if it was, it's not a story that was created by humanity. It wasn't something that we came up with. No, this is the very thing that the angels were telling the shepherds, that today there's a Savior that's been born. He's Christ Jesus, the Lord. He's, he's here, right? And so the same gospel message that we're called to go and proclaim out first came down by the angel here in this Bethlehem field. The angel was sent from God the Father to share of this good news that would be great joy. The gospel was preached, literally, he's the good news, he says, I come to bring you good news, is literally the word gospel there. So he's literally saying, I'm coming to bring you the good news of, of God's plan of redemption. The gospel was preached by the angel who was sent from the Father this joy is not achieved. It's not something that's mustered up. It's not something that we can figure out our own, but it's something that is delivered to us. It's something that's sent to us. It's something that is preached to us. It is given to us. So he's bringing the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And this is how I know we all can have joy this morning because this was the message that was sent down from the Father. So number two is that the joy is sent. That is something that joy is not something that you and I can come up with on our own. It's not something that we can do certain things and have this deep peace within our deepest parts of us. Of we know that we're, we're in a right relationship with the Father. Joy is a gift from the Father. It is here. It is sent. Number three. Joy comes from having Christ as Savior and Lord. Look at what the good news of great joy is. Verse 11 it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Check this. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Check out. He's talking about a baby who was just some hours old or whatever. And he says, that baby there, he is Christ the Lord. He was just as much Lord in that cradle as he is today. Check that. Well, it's what we've been talking about in the book of Acts is that we don't make Jesus Lord He's already Lord. We just submit and recognize that he's Lord. Whether now or one day in eternity. Even, if, even this baby that we hear remembering, and we're not worshiping a baby, right? Because we know that he's a risen, reigning, ruling Savior. That's the Jesus we worship. We, we remember this incarnation. Listen to me. At that moment where he was 100% dependent upon his mother to feed him, he was still the Lord of all the universe. He wrapped himself in flesh. 
Philippians says that he considered not equality with God something to be grasped, but he, he took on the form of a human. He put on flesh. He set aside his, what that means is that that Jesus before the incarnation was eternally seen as God. But in order to save me and you, he set that right to be, to be acknowledged as God to decide and wrap himself in flesh so that he can come redeem me and you. That he would spend some 30 years on this life not being recognized for who he really was. And not necessarily receiving the worship that he alone was due. He says, the angel says, here's the good news. Here's, here's why your response to God doesn't have to be being scared to death because the day a Savior has been born and he is Christ the Lord. He is Christ the Lord. Notice his, his, his title is Lord. And it says he's the Christ, which we understand that because of the book of Acts, because whenever Peter stands up to preach a sermon and he begins to preach on the Messiah, he calls him the Christ. He says, this Jesus whom you, whom you saw, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead, God has made him both, what? Christ and Lord. Christ meaning the Messiah, the one whom God had promised. And so this baby who is in this manger that the angels were telling him, the shepherds about, he is, he is the Lord, but he is the one who God had promised would come. And then he says, a savior, the one who will ultimately put away sin, bring ultimate salvation. Joy comes from having this Christ as savior and Lord. That is the source of this joy. This joy, this deep rooted joy that's not circumstantial. It has its source. It has its birth in knowing this Jesus as both savior and Lord. And there is no way to experience this joy apart from that. We can find short moments of happiness and, and tranquility. I think that's words we use now and inner calmness and, and things like that. But listen to me, only when Jesus Christ is both Savior and Lord. And here's newsflash. You can't have one without the other because he's both. That's whenever we can find this joy. That's whenever we can, <laughs> let me read my notes because if not, I'm going to get going and we're not going to get out in time. When we accept Jesus as our Lord, the one the Father sent to be our Savior, we, we receive a joy that's not circumstantial. We receive one that's eternal, that it cannot be taken away. Listen to me. This joy that we're talking about is not found in things that I have. It's found in something that can't be taken away. And the thing that can't be taken away is that Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord. It is eternal. There are many things that can be taken away, but not this. Scripture says that I'm eternally kept by my Lord, that even when I'm not feeling it, that he still got me, that nobody can pluck me out of his hand, that we are eternally secure in Christ, that we stand right with God and will be with him for all of eternity. That's my source of joy. No matter what comes against me, he is for me, that he delights in me, that he sings over me, that he rejoices over his children, and it brings in great delight for providing and giving us the kingdom and giving us what we need. That's where our source of joy is, and that's eternal. That cannot be taken away. But it only comes when this Christ, who is Lord, is our Savior. It's the only place.
John 15, 11, Jesus tells his disciples, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Think about the joy of Christ. How he understood what it meant to walk in communion with his father. To be delighted in by his father. To be loved by his father. What he's saying is this joy, that's my joy, and I'm placing it in you. Number four. Good news becomes great joy when it is personally experienced. It's one thing just to to hear this good news about great joy. Good news actually becomes great joy when we personally experience. And that's exactly what happens in 12 through 16 when we read this. And so they they hear this announcement. And in verse 12, it says, and this, this is angel talking. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly, <laughs> and suddenly again, I like it. I love how what we see, that there's a lot of suddenlies when, when, when God is that word. Then things all of a sudden, they happen and things change, right? We, we see that God sends suddenly. There was, there was once one angel, but now a multitude of heaven. Heaven couldn't keep quiet anymore, y'all. They've been quiet for 400 years. And, and finally, the angel said, Savior's born. And all of a sudden, the whole multitude of angels said, glory to God in the highest. They couldn't keep quiet anymore. This, this plan of redemption that they still longed to look for and longed to experience. They, they're seeing things unfold. And finally, they said, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. We see here the, the purpose of Christ coming right here. Number one is the glory of God, the glory to God in the highest, this this Savior who is Christ the Lord who's born. He's born, number one, for God's glory, right? For God's glory, but also peace on earth to to those whom he is pleased. I'm not going to chase that down, but just notice those words there, to whom he is pleased. I'm somewhere in my notes too, Anna. Yeah. Uh, purpose of Christ coming, the glory of God, and second, peace on earth, and specifically peace between man and God. They, they, this Savior came to, to, to make peace between, actually, I would say the other way, God and man. Because we're not, we don't make peace with God, God makes peace with us. Right? You know, we have this, you've heard this said, like, you know, before you die, go make peace with so and so, whatever, like that. What's crazy is that. We're the ones who offended God, right? We're the ones who rebelled against God, yet God made peace with us, right? So glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, Christ coming, therefore we could actually not, not have to be scared to death when we come into God's presence. We don't, when we come to sing and come to pray, we don't have to come like this. We come, as Hebrews tells us, with boldness to the throne, knowing that we will receive mercy. But also peace with one another, that that Christ came so that he could bring us, make a, make a one, make a oneness, the, the one new race, right? A one people, a one priesthood to bring us together. And so they, 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 if it couldn't get crazier, now the whole skies open up and there's a multitude of angels singing these heavenly hymns. And so um, 15, it says, when the angels went away, so I guess they just stood there until the angels went away. And then as soon as they went away, they went, 
we got to go. We, like, we, <laughs> we got to go check this out. So that's exactly, he says, so when the angels had went away into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. This is uh, verse 15. And the, check this out, which the Lord has made known to us. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Verse 16, they, I love this. And they went with haste. They didn't go like today's a cool because here's the deal. I've never caught this before. They still had sheep to deal with. And so did they just leave the sheep? Did they draw whoever got the short straw had to stay back? Like, hate to have been that guy, right? Y'all ever draw a straw? We used to draw sticks. Uh, my friend's dad would break sticks and make them all look the same length and then always got the one you didn't want. I always had to be the, the seeker, not the hider kind of a deal. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, and I'm scared of the dark. Uh, Ish. <clears throat> but with haste, they went and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The angels leave. They see this heavenly chorus and they look to each other and said, we've got to go. Now, how they decided, we don't know, but it's, it's, at least one of them went. We know that they went and they, they found with haste. Listen to me, God, show me this this morning. They didn't. They didn't wait. They figured out how they could leave, and they did. They didn't put off what God had revealed to them. And God revealed this to me this morning. Don't put off till tomorrow what the Lord is calling you to do to today. Like, don't, like, if God's revealed something to you, move with haste. Like, move with haste. Don't wait. Like, don't keep putting it off. Don't keep pushing it to the side. Move with haste. Even if it's to believe in this Savior who is Christ, stop putting it off. What are you waiting on? With haste, go and see. Trust Jesus today. Listen to me, child of God. Forgive somebody today. Make a phone call today. Write a letter today. I can even write, teach you how to write in cursive if you don't know how to do that. No, I think they don't teach that anymore, right? Like, whatever God has revealed to you, go with haste but especially when it comes to concerning the Lord Jesus. If he's calling you to believe and trust in him, with haste, trust him. With, with urgency, trust him. So they ran back and they saw the baby lying in a manger. Number five, and I'm done with this, joy is shared. The joy is here. It's sent. It's experienced by having Christ as Lord and Savior. It becomes our great joy when we personally experience it. And number five, joy is to be shared. Check out verse 17. <laughs> Imagine, I think it's funny, verse 17. So they, when they saw it, they had made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. So they check this, Mary's there. Right? Who knows who her son is? Uh, an angel appeared, and he's he's the Savior. He's the Lord. Uh, he's the Christ. And and Luke just says, and Mary just pondered these things in her heart, going, "Duh, I know this." Right? Uh, that's not at all. Mary was much better than that. No, she probably didn't say anyway. So they run and they share it, even with the mother and the earthly father of this baby. Of what the angel had, they shared. They couldn't keep it to themselves. Even telling people who already knew 
who this baby was. They just had to share it. And I'm excited as we continue the book of Acts starting in January, because we're going to get to Acts chapter four and Peter and John are told, don't speak in Jesus. Don't speak in the name of Jesus anymore. And they said, we can't help it. And that's what we see here is that they, they, they saw this and they saw Jesus and they heard it and they just, they had to share it. It's a joy that had to be shared. But not only did they share with others, but let's check out this. Verse 20. And the shepherds returned. So they went back to their fields. I don't know if the guy who got the short straw was able to go back at this time, but they get back to the fields. And Luke writes that they were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What is, not only were they, I love this. Not only were they sharing it with the people around them, they were also sharing it back to God. God knew that the angel had come. He had sent them. God knew the story of redemption. It was his plan. God showed me this this morning. Listen to me. God never gets tired of us thanking him for what he's done for us. They get back to the field and they're literally glorifying and praising God for what they had seen and what they had heard. They literally are glorifying God for the savior that he had sent, for sending the angel for them to hear. He, they're literally saying, thank you, God. Glorious are you for what you have done. Listen to me. This joy that we have is not just something that we share with others. It should get us to a place where we're constantly praising God for what he's done. It leads us to, to put a spiritual or a, a smart work to a doxology to where we worship God for what he's done. This joy that was, that's here, this joy that has been sent to us, this joy that has realized that having Christ as both Savior and Lord, that we've experienced in our own salvation, the result of that is a joy that says, God, thank you for, for saving me. God never goes up and goes, you don't have to thank me anymore. He never says, no, no, you're good. You, you, you said it to me one time. No, God, God's about his own glory. And he loves for his saints to say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for sending this Jesus. Listen to me, child of God. It's okay for us to be joyous in this building. It's okay for us to come in here, even if we don't like the song because it's too loud, for us to actually sing for the joy of the Lord that's been placed within us. It's okay for us to get excited. It's okay for me to spit when I get excited when I'm preaching because the joy of the Lord is our strength. He's given it to us. May we never know what he's done for us. If that ever happens here, then we've missed it. We've, we've drifted away. We, we've missed the mark. Hey, Sunday morning shouldn't be a 20-minute, let's, let's try to get them wound up. Let's try to get them happy so that they sing. No, the joy of the Lord is to be shared back to him. Sorry, a little excited. Also getting a little hot. I should never let me wear a vest up here again. I'm talking about it's a sauna inside here. Closing. Why am I not feeling joyful? Why am I not feeling joyful? I can speak to two sides. I'm going to do it very quickly, I promise. For the child of God, this joy has been sent to you. It's been given to you. Listen to me. 
God does not take that away. That's a fact. The, Jesus, the joy that Jesus gives us through the indwelling of the Spirit is one that he does not take away. So if I'm not experiencing that joy, then there's something in my life that is quenching that joy. If I can speak straight real quick, there's something that is quenching that because he doesn't, he doesn't take it away. He's not a takeaway God. He, he gives it. What I can't say that's not politically correct, what I was about to say. He gives it. He places his joy within us. So if I'm not ex- experiencing that joy, if I'm not walking in that joy, you begin to ask the question, well, what is it in my life that is quenching that joy? Because hear me when I say this, and I say this with all the compassion in the world. You can suffer and still be joyful. Because this gift that Christ gives us is not circumstantial. Listen to me. I've walked with many of you in here who have walked through it, and I've seen the joy of the Lord in your eyes. I've been thankful. But I've also seen people who, they they get hit, and all of a sudden it's like, life's blown up. Hey, I want, you, I want you to know that the same Jesus on the mountaintop is the same Jesus in the valley. And most of the time in the valley, you get to know him better and know him more. And that's the greatest, greatest place for your, for your joy to grow. For, many, for some of us, there's, there's sin in our life. That we're walking in habitual, unconfessed sin. I want you to know that you will not experience the joy of the Lord in walking in disobedience. It's not going to happen. Scripture tells us in Galatians 5 that 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 the spirit within us is drawing us in a direction, but then the flesh is against us in another way, right? So we have inside of us this silver war that's going on. And Paul says, walk by the Spirit. And what I mean by that, listen to me, for a child of God who's walking in habitual, unconfessed sin, that's a miserable place to be. And maybe you're not experiencing the joy of the Lord because you won't let go of sin in your life. To confess sin in 1 John, what, what that means, to confess sin literally means to say the same thing about it that God does. We confess your sin. Hey, don't put off tomorrow what God is revealing to you. With haste, confess. With haste, confess to to sin. Is there there bitterness in your life? Listen to me. Bitterness is like drinking a poison, expecting it's going to affect whoever we're mad at. No, you're the one that's being destroyed. It's bitterness of, of something that somebody's done to you. Or listen to me, or even the hand that God dealt you, you're, you're bitter because of that. Hey, God's not intimidated by your feelings. I just need to tell you that he's not intimidated by your emotions. But that bitterness will rob you of your joy. Have you forsaken his word? Jesus tells his disciples, I've taught you these things so that my joy may be in you. 
what, the, what are these things? His, his words, his, his word, he, I've taught you this, and this is a source of joy in my life. Listen to me. We're not going to walk in the joy of the Lord if we're walking absent from the word that God has given us. It, it's, it's, it's not possible. So, Christian, if you're not experiencing the joy of the Lord, if you're, this is what's cool. I don't have to say the, the exact thing, but God, through his spirit, is revealing what that is to you now. Don't put off tomorrow what God is revealing to you today. Do it with haste. If you're an unbeliever, the reason why you're not experiencing the joy of the Lord is because you don't have Christ the Lord as your Savior. Can't be more black and white than that. Don't put off tomorrow what God is revealing to you today. Trust in him hastily. Place your faith in him. Call upon his name and you will be saved. I'm getting out of the way, I promise. Listen to me, if you're here this morning, you need to talk, you need to pray, whether child of God or not, whether believer or unbeliever, say today, I want, I want to get saved. I want to, I want to trust. I want to experience. I want this good news to become my great joy. If that's you, hey, literally call upon him or we would love to pray with you. I'll be standing down here by Ashley. Luke could be in the back. I think Ryan somewhere in here and Paul's. Anyway, find us. If you don't want to talk to us, we can connect you to somebody else. Ladies, if you feel weird about coming to talk to me or Luke, we can connect you with another lady. Like, we, we can make those things happen. If you need to pray, just say, Justin, I'm a follower of Jesus, but there's some things in my life who is quenching this joy that I know is, it's there. It's just being quenched. You can use the front, the stage as an altar to pray. You can come to us and we can pray with you. Whatever you need to do, you may, Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the joy is here. God, I thank you this joy that you've given us is not something that's man-made, but it's sent from heaven. That it's not circumstantial, it's, it's, it's eternal. That's, that's rooted in the fact that we know that we are your children and loved by you. God, may, we ne- may our, our, our mouth, may our tongues never grow cold of, of glorifying and praising you because of this great joy you've given us. God, move in this place. God, for those who don't know you, God, I pray that today your spirit will allow them to move with haste to believe in and on your son, Jesus, the Savior, the Christ, who is the Lord. For the child of God in here who is struggling to experience this joy, God, may you, your spirit, illuminate in their life what it is or a series of things. God, and teach them there's joy to be experienced, even in tragedy, even in suffering. So God, open their eyes. And I pray that in a suddenly, in a moment, you open their eyes to see there's joy to still be experienced. Father, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let me stand.